0: If you're going to succeed in the entrepreneur world it's the toughest game in the world it's the most fun game in the world but it's the most challenging game in the world there are some amazing peaks but you spend a lot more time in the valleys I actually just wrote a blog post about this and so you in order to power through those valleys one of the things you have to be is in good shape physically and mentally right because it'll just wear you down and so that's a really important at least for me that I found is a really important piece of it is you know being in, in having both those sides really in the best shape they can be, so they can be the best that they can be.
1: Today, I'm joined by the best-selling author Dave Lucas, who's co-owner and vice president of Grass Technologies, an Inc. 5,000 company that's enjoyed a yearly growth of 50 plus percent over the last decade. Dave also hosts the weekly Misfit Entrepreneur podcast, where he helps people and shares with people how to embrace their inner misfit. So Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Max. It's a pleasure to be on with you and everybody in the audience. I'm super excited to have you today. And I want to jump straight into being a misfit entrepreneur. So for (laughs) our audience, I've probably never heard of that term. Can you define for us the misfit entrepreneur?
0: It's probably easiest to talk about how it came about, and that'll kind of help with the definition. So uh, about, uh, gosh, almost seven years ago, uh, my wife and I uh, adopted our daughter from China. And in my younger days, I had had a lot of experience and, and got to study directly with some of the greats, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, even Tony Robbins and his group and stuff. I learned a tremendous amount. And I, that's how I became a best-selling author. I wrote a book about what I learned and, and how other people could take it and put it to use. And one of the things that I learned uh, early on in my years was the fact that we are conditioned to be who we are. Right. And that's a, you know, it's, it, Every baby comes out of the boon, or the womb with a clean slate, right? It's not like you're born and they're like, yeah, hey, beautiful baby. Too bad i will never make more than 35,000. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, you know? We, the, the truth is we're conditioned to be who we are. And so all the influences in our lives, a lot of that stuff's really good, right? Parents, friends, media, culture, religion, all these things, um, school, you know, uh, help to shape us and who we are. And a lot of people just go through life Kind of being run by that conditioning when the real epiphany is is that you have the ability to choose which of that you keep and how to change the things that you don't want to keep in your mind so that you can grow yourself and and, and grow your success and everything else we can talk about that more as we go on so very, being very uh in tune with that one of the things that you know for me and, and with this little one is i'm conditioning her from day one right And so all these teachable moments are coming up even early on, you know, we got her about 18 months old and, um, I'm going to myself, you know, geez, all these things are coming up and I'd seemingly forgotten all this stuff. I mean, even things that were in my book and stuff, I'm like, holy crap, that's something that I just (laughs) totally forgotten. It's something I can teach her. Right. And I said, there's gotta be a way to, um, immortalize all this amazing information that I have learned from those in the past that I will learn and from those that I get to meet and spend time with in the future so that Hannah, my daughter, can learn from her daddy and his misfit friends long after I'm dead and gone. And as I thought about it more and more, every entrepreneur is a misfit. Actually, every one of us is a misfit. In fact, every one of us is an entrepreneur. I think it's one of the most innate human uh, capabilities that we have, you know, we all have an entrepreneur side to us, whether we use it or not, or put it to use in the traditional way uh, in a business and that sort of thing is, is, you know, irrelevant. We all have that side to us. And as I really thought about it, it's the uniqueness of us as uh, entrepreneurs, those unique things that we do, especially the highest performing entrepreneurs that consistently high perform, there's a uniqueness that they have that sets them apart. What is that? That's what I call their misfit side. So, you know, misfit entrepreneurs is really every one of us entrepreneurs, but what really separates the greats is how in tune they are with that misfit side and how they use it to really gain an advantage.
1: You know, there's so much really cool stuff there. First of all, I love this idea of creating this legacy for your daughter, Hannah, right? Of really developing something for her and then now sharing it with the broader world that really is going to allow her to live a great life further down the line, even when you're gone, like you say. So I absolutely yeah, love it's,
0: that. it's really taken on a new meaning, you know, now that we're, I started as a side project. I never expected it to be a, a huge thing. And, you know, nowadays we're listening to like in 150 countries or wow, something like yeah. that. And, you know we're you know we we've grown it into its own large business at this point but um i never expected that i it's something that has come about as the show has grown and you know more and more listeners have reached out i i truly believe at this point in time that one great episode can change someone's life and i i say that because i've seen it i've had people reach out to me and you know that episode that you shared with so and so talking about overcoming this or doing that was exactly what I was looking for I was ready to give up you know or or whatever and so I, I truly believe that and I approach every episode that way now so it's got a almost a dual meaning to it for me now which makes it even more fun
1: yeah for sure you know I was listening to the episode where you talked about you know getting Hannah from China right and it just shows the the love that you experience for this girl right that you feel deep down inside and I feel like that's what you put into the show with you know everything that you create, like you, it almost seems like you're talking to her with everything you do. So yeah, in
0: some episodes I do, I, I talk directly yeah, to her. So yeah. I, actually, those are some of them, <laughs> the most popular ones, right? So yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. No, I absolutely love that. And so you mentioned before, like we're all born as these these blank states, slates, right? Like we're born mm-hmm. a certain way, and and then. And you would develop ourselves. And then culture oftentimes comes, whether it's in the form of parents or friends or teachers. And they say, no, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't like stand out, right? Like take that inner misfit and shove it back like somewhere deep down in here, right? And I think that is one of the biggest struggles that people face is like they have this authentic self, but they're not willing or able to actually unleash that.
0: Well, the term misfit, I think, has a negative connotation, right? Uh, Just, you know, in in a lot of societies and stuff, you know, the the misfits or whatever are the outcasts and stuff like that. And I, you know, know, and, and even at one point, I think I kind of thought of it that way. But, you know, as I have grown in business and done the things. I mean, you know, uh, head of a software technology company and I went to school for finance and never had, I've never coded a thing in my life. Right. (laughs) So, you know, so it's, you know, it's amazing how things weave their way and how things happen and stuff. And it's this, uh, you know, it is that kind of misfit side of us of, of looking at things differently and, and doing things differently and, Figuring out how to accomplish things where people haven't been able to before that really uh, moves the bar, sets us apart, helps us grow, helps us find new things about ourselves, help us realize new potential for ourselves and all that. So I really think that you know, the exploration of your, your misfit side is one of the greatest things that you can do to really uh, grow yourself and, and reach new heights as an uh, individual.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so to me, what it really sounds like is the traits that make you different, right? That make you maybe even a little bit weird, those weird quirks and eccentricities that you have. Also the very things that make you special, that make you valuable, that make you Mm -hmm. someone that actually stands out and therefore is able to deliver different kind of value to the world. And so I love what you're saying here about, you know, being willing to show that. And in fact, I heard you talk before about, you know, your whole company basically being a bunch of mitzvahs sort of (laughs) working together right yeah <laughs> that never went we, to school and
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny i mean awareness is the catalyst to change your realization for things right so you know i started to, when i started to really kind of explore this idea of what that is i started to look at like like our company like you know how have we done what we've done you know and and, and where who are our people you know where have they come from what other i mean almost everybody you know the majority of people in our, in grass technologies are musicians so we could have multiple wow fans um you know (laughs) most most of our coders are self-taught you know uh most people you know have uh come from totally different backgrounds and you know been kind of molded into what we do and and we're in a really niche space in the travel industry for you know our software and what we do so it's it's kind of a really unique skill set that unless you you were You fell into that somehow, you're not going to have, you know? And so it's just really been interesting to kind of look at it. It is like this roving band of misfits that just got together and created this, you know, amazing organization. And they've done, you know, the team's just amazing, right? You know, what they do and how they come up with what they come up with and the new solutions we provide and how we solve these great, great challenges for some of the largest companies in the world. Um, It's really fun to watch, right? And it's really fun to watch the misfits that come out. So, um, so yeah, I think if you look at your life, you look across the, You know even a company if you're an entrepreneur or just uh, in the business that you're in you're gonna start to notice those things about people where you know nothing in their background you know makes any sense for where they are you know and that kind of makes
1: it fun right yeah for sure so is this misfit side something that you actively or deliberately look for when you're hiring new people to come on board or did it sort of naturally develop and then you realized wow there's a bunch of misfits around here
0: well I think you know in, in initially with our kind of our core core group that we've had together for you know over a decade plus um, you know I, I don't think we interviewed for it. We were always uh, the way we built the company, the way we built grasp was uh, really always kind of different we didn't follow like we're guerrilla marketers we did you know we did the exact opposite of what everybody thought we would do our business model is totally different than what the rest of the industry does we've always kind of done that because we've always wanted to you know really find new ways of of uh, challenging how business is done and how to do things and, and really make a difference with how we do that um, and show it to the market. So I'll give you like a good example. We've got a, uh, a payment solution that we have in the marketplace, right? No, and it's a virtual payment solution. So I'm not gonna bore you guys with, with all the stuff of what that is, but essentially it's a way to pay for like your hotel or your airline ticket or whatever, right? It's a type of payment. Instead of credit card, to use a virtual, payment, right? And one of the biggest challenges in the space was there was no bridge between the point of sale systems basically where you do the transaction, you know, where you book things, right, for travel, and the banks that have these, you know, these payments in them, right? And so there was a company that came along that, you know, uh, kind of opened the market and was the dominant player in the market. And uh, they were doing some things that were, you know, really challenging for clients, right? Really challenging them for the, they literally have to readapt their whole business to it. So, you know, we came along after, you know, clients kind of prodded us for a while. And we looked at it and we, we basically said, well, why do you need all this extra stuff mm-hmm. where, you know, currently the way that processes are working, the way that people are doing things is they're, you know, they, they've got it down now and paying with a credit card, right? Or paying with the form of payment that the, the client needs. Why is it got to be such a big difference? Why can't we just replace the form of payment with, you know, this other form of payment essentially? Right. Nobody had done that amazingly. Right. (laughs) And so we figured out just a, an easy way to do that. So nobody had to change their business or anything around it. And then we had this crazy idea of like, well, you know, at this point in time, these type of solutions were kind of new or fledgling, Right. So adoption was a, a challenge. We said, let's find a way to give it to clients for free. Wow. So that we can grow the adoption of it right? And we figured out how to do that and make money at the same time and all that stuff with the partners that we worked with and everything else. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it's totally changed the paradigm of what is thought of for the capability with these solutions and everything now. And, you know, at this point, we're, you know, on growth rate on, on pace to maybe be the largest player in the market in the next few years, right? So, you know, it's just an example, you know, of how we could do that. We, and we really didn't, You know, we didn't have to really spend any money to do it or anything like that. We just looked at doing a business model differently and asking questions, asking how, and that always activates the mind, right? Asking how, instead of saying that can't be done or no, it stops your mind from thinking. Once you start asking how, how can we do this? How could we change the whole paradigm of things? Then it gets to be a lot of fun. That's when that misfit side comes out.
1: You know, I absolutely love this really counterintuitive way of taking a problem, really simplifying it. That's what it sounds like to me. You really Mm -hmm. took, really looked at the most basic way to do it, the simplest way to do it so that everybody's happy, right? So I absolutely love that. Now, how should people balance, you know, the misfit side and the sort of fitting into culture, right? Because I think there is certain value to fitting in sometimes in terms of cultural groups. So do you think that that people should strike a balance or should sort of just put out their misfit side and take it or leave it kind of thing?
0: Well, I, you know, I, it depends on, on what your misfit side is. You know, if you're, yeah. you know, if you're in a, uh, a very, um, executive level type business where everybody wears a suit and tie every day and you're, you know, you wear your bathing suit, that's probably not going to go over so well. Right. So, you know, I, I think there is, there's respect and there's tactfulness and how you look at how you do these things. But I don't think you should ever, um, uh, Hold back that side of you, especially when it's working towards a common good or may, you know making a difference for people. I think you're doing them and yourself an injustice by doing that. So um, I don't know if there's a real balance. I think there's a a time, like anything, for it to really come out and really to push for it and everything else. And there's a time to kind of collaborate and let others have their misfit side come out too. You know, and so. Um, you know, my, my best advice and how you do that is every situation to be different. Every personality is going to be different. One of the best ways that you can really understand when best and how to use your misfit side is to understand personality types. So if anybody listening is never, uh, learn the different types of personalities. My favorite model for that is the DISC model, D I S C it's been around since gosh, the 1920s and 30s. So it's got the most, uh, uh, um, uh, history and science and everything behind it, but it's, uh, uh, four different personality types, right? And based on each personality type, you have to, you have to know which part of you and your personality type and your misfit side to use. So we can talk about those personality types, have a unique way of looking at them, um, as it's really important that you understand, you know, the different types of people that you're working with and what makes sense to get the most done with them and achieve the best results.
1: For sure. So, is that something that you actively use in your business that you have people mm-hmm. sort of fill out and then share with everybody, so everyone yeah sort of understands? Yeah, we train yes. our
0: we train our staff on it to understand everything because we're you know Grass Technologies, we're a virtual company. We do business in gosh fifty plus countries around the world, and we do it mostly virtually. Like you and I are on a Zoom right now, right? So you know that's something that we have to be able to do really well is be able to understand who's on the other side. Many times we don't even have video, right? So we have to use voice inflection and everything else wow. to really understand what type of personality that we're using, right? So for me, the personalities, there's four different types. And, you know, there's, there's the DISC model, DISC. There's a bunch of different ones out there. But I, I've always found it easy to relate it to animals. Okay? To animals. <laughs> so, uh, so for me, like, um, you have the, the D, right? D is the dominant. That's what. It, that's the dominant, right? For me, that's the lion, right? Yeah. King of the pride, right? Lions are short on details. They just want to get to the result, get things done. You, you know, so when you're dealing with a lion, you don't want to blabber on about a bunch of stuff. You want to be, you know, to the point. How do you get to the result? How are you going to make a difference? And let's move. That's, that's what lions like, right? So, you know, you can use your misfit side with that, uh, but you need to understand that. The Alliance not gonna want to talk about your family for hours on end. Yeah. You know, as much as you may want to, right? That doesn't mean they don't care, but they're very goal driven, they're very uh, deadline driven. So they're they're very much gonna want to be moving towards that. And if you hold them up, that frustrates them, right? So you know that's that's the lion. The next is the I, okay, that's the influence of. Style, right? So, I always liken the eye to like the otter, you know, swimming around having all the fun, you know, and stuff, uh, you know, you know, with its friends and just life of the party and all that stuff. You know, these are people that uh, are the, you know, they are the life of the party. They're they're larger than life in their personality. They also are the ones that when you unfriend them on Facebook, get hurt about it, you know, and, and yeah. dwell on it because they want everybody to like them and everything. Right. So, you know, uh, they're make great salespeople. They're very outgoing. They can talk to anybody. They can, you know, light up a room, you know, that sort of thing. But they're going to have a, they're going to be a lot more on the fun side of things. And they're not going to go straight to the point. They're not going to go straight to, you know, the uh the deadline like a lion would and stuff right so you're gonna have more fun banter interaction with somebody like that and you have to be ready for that and be able to accommodate that with them in that style because they're gonna want to do that right um and they're gonna want to be liked right and so they're gonna you know that's somebody like you're on the other side of the phone with that you need to really recognize that because if you don't give them their time to you know kind of shine if you will that's going to hurt them. They're going to, you know, have an issue, you know, so that's another, that's the next one. The S is for steadiness. Okay. So S is, you know, steadiness. I think of the golden retriever, right? Always there Mm. by your side, steady every single day. So, you know, these are those people that are very loyal. They're very consistent. They're always there. They're not going to necessarily break out and have a, a huge high-end life personality like an otter or take charge like a lion and that sort of thing, That they're, they're going to be there, they're going to be consistent for you, and they're always going to be by your side, right? Um, and so with them, you're, you're not going to want to push them too hard. You're not going to want to um, come down on them or, or force them into things that really break them out of their comfort zone because they just have a really hard time doing that. Right. So, you know, that's the golden retriever. And then the last one, uh, there's a few different names for it. I call it the complacent, amiable style. Um, it's just the C is the owl. Think your accountant. Think the person who's very like everything is meticulous on their desk. You know, everything is is laid out a specific way. They have to do things a certain way. They have to know every detail. Um, they actually share a lot in common with the dominant and the lion. They're just a lot more detail oriented. And so they can get frustrated when the details aren't given to them, right? In the way that they want it and stuff. So you have to be very careful when you're dealing with somebody like that because they're going to be more reserved, they're going to be more quieter, but you better have your details. You better make sure that you've got everything to back up what you're saying, that you know exactly how you're going to proceed, you know, all that stuff, or they're going to get frustrated or they're going to have an issue, right? So you look at that in any business and it really helps you to number one, fulfill roles in your business. Like, we'll do this in, inside grass. Like, what do we need here? Do we need, a, we need a golden retriever? What do we need? we need an otter? What do we need here, right? What are we hiring for, right? And we'll, we'll use that as part of our basis. But it's also very helpful when you're interacting with others. You know, what type of personality am I interacting with? What type of personality am I? How do I need to make sure, like, I'm, you know, if you can't tell, I'm a lion first and then an otter second. That's my yeah. personality type, right? So I can steamroll like a golden retriever and stuff like that if I'm not careful. And so I have to sometimes pair back, be a little bit more reserved, talk a little quieter, you know, move a little bit slower, that sort of thing, right? So you really have to understand yourself just as much and deal with these, but it can make a world of difference in how you run your business, how you interact with your clients, how you sell, all that stuff. It can make a huge difference. Just four little things.
1: Wow, Dave, honestly, thanks for sharing. Um, You know, I've known the DISC model for probably six, seven years now, but this is literally the best way anyone's ever broken it down. Cause I think, especially with the animals in there, right? It just makes so much sense. Like,
0: it makes it more fun.
1: Yeah. It makes it more fun that's and more, more relatable. Right. And like, so people can actually remember, Oh, that's an otter, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and so, now, th- so everybody's going to get off this, like going to go to an event tonight and I'm like, that's an otter. That's a yeah. lion, so,
1: <laughs> you know, so, But it is fun. Right. Cause, cause, cause in that way, it's so much easier to really, and of course, I always feel like it's not like 100%, right? So, like, people aren't just completely 100% influenced or 100%, you know, they lying. But I think well, all of helps. us are all
0: of them. Yeah. But there are, if you take a disc test, and there's a billion of them online. You can go take a free disc online. Um, you're going to have two styles that are more, your, your, your more dominant styles over the others that you're consistently more of. And those are your kind of, uh, they call them adaptive and natural styles, basically
1: yeah no absolutely and so it's important right to understand sort of yourself right understand who am i how am i showing up and then if someone's different than me and and this is something that i often struggle with right because i i tend to be this loud guy i tend to be more on the the otter side right When i'm like mm-hmm. screaming through the whole room like <laughs> hey what's up right and and i find that people especially when they're, you know on the steadiness side especially when they're the owl maybe and they're you know they're trying to really focus on their work right they tend to get a little bit mm-hmm. a little bit or not right because i'm just too right. too much for them um and right. so understanding that myself has been really helpful and just sometimes toning it down a little bit yep so absolutely absolutely love that now i want to get back a little bit to your entrepreneurial journey because you have mm-hmm. this great story um you know you're five years old and you started out <laughs> your your sales career in canada <laughs> so can you share that story with us <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, it it wasn't Canada, it's in the United States, but it has that slant to it. So, yeah, when I was five years old, I, you know, I wanted to make some money. So I went to my mom and said, I want to make some money. And she's like, okay, well, figure out a way to make some money. So I, I got this idea to make American flags and go sell them to the neighbors. So I got my construction paper out and we made the American flags, made a bunch of them and uh, got my little red wagon out and started going up and down the street to all the neighbors selling American flags. And it's like clockwork, you know, I mean, it's this yeah. little five-year-old kid comes to the door. I'm selling American flags, you know, five cents or 10 cents a pop. And you know, everybody's like, yeah, it's like a hundred percent closer, right? So, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, super easy sale. So I get to the, um, last house on the block and, uh, it's kind of that house that the shutters are usually closed. You don't see the people all out, that sort of thing. And, uh, the, uh, I, I, I hit the doorbell, and it seems like an eternity. It was probably like five seconds, but it just seems like an eternity goes by, right? And uh, you know, this this little old lady answers the door, very pleasant little old lady. And I do my whole pitch and everything, and then uh, after I do my pitch, you know, you know, would you like to buy one? Uh, it seems like another eternity goes by, like before I get the answer. And the lady just very nicely says, "No, thank you, honey. We're Canadian," and shuts the door. <laughs> And so that was my first rejection, you know, not to be lost, though. We went back and we, you know, created a Canadian flag, looked that up, figured out how to do that, went back and, you know, sold
1: it. Oh, sold that too. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: So, so we, we, we were able to keep that close rate. But uh, no, but that was like my first stab at just, you know, trying to do something in business um, and trying to figure out how to get people to, to buy something that I made, right? So that's how, that's how I started.
1: <laughs> yeah you know it's so interesting because to me I always love these stories because I used to be the total opposite like until about 20 or so I didn't care about entrepreneurship whatsoever um, mm-hmm. so what was that driver and I, I know you start many companies at, at such a young age already really start getting into this game so what in the yeah. beginning was it just sort of the fun of like can I sell this to someone can I make some profit can I get some candy or <laughs>
0: yeah I mean uh, I, I think I've, I've always been someone that's not very idle so you know, some would say I'm probably ADD in some ways, right? Uh, which uh, I embrace as wholeheartedly as part of my misfit side, if you will. Um, but uh, you know, I you know I've always kind of been someone who just has to be moving and doing something and stuff. I I can't. Um, I, I've gotten better at relaxing over the years. I wouldn't say I'm a um, as great at it as I yeah. should be, but you know, I'm just something that's always kind of been like that. So you know, when I'm you know, a kid just looking for things to do five years old, you know, um, you know, it's summertime and just, you know, you can only play outside and do so much. You're looking for other things to do. You want to make some money. I think I wanted to buy something or something like that. Really, you know, I had, there's (laughs) necessities, the mother of invention. Right. So I think there was something I wanted to get. And, you know, my, I think my, my parents were always good about, you know, and, you know, if you want something great, you can go get it, but you're going to have to work for it. Right. And so you have to find a way make a way. So I, i said well how can i make money and there was
1: only so many ways a five-year-old could make money right <laughs> so, sure, <yeah. laughs> so that was
0: the one i chose and uh, that's kind of how it, that came together
1: yeah you know i absolutely love that that really enthusiasm at such a young age to <laughs> just go and yep. do stuff and move towards something right rather than just sitting and wasting time well,
0: you know it, and again that's kind of a natural thing for human beings though i think aristotle said uh man's a goal seeking animal his life only has meaning if he's reaching out and searching or seeking out his goals or' is something of that nature and, and I think that's again that's uh, it, it, that's in something like that's in the Bible too i mean it really goes back to w- w- human nature of who we are right I mean there's just things that innately are who we are, and we need something to be striving for you know if if not you you find and you'll see this with people, you know, people that feel they don't have a purpose, they don't have meaning It's because they're not, there's nothing that they have or that they feel they have to work for. And that's a real challenge, right? There's, it's like, you know, what you have so much good in your life. You have so many amazing things. You're so fortunate. You're so lucky. But, you know, a lot of times when you don't have something that you're really striving for and excited to go after, you know, it, it makes it really hard to, to realize that, you know, and, it, and for some people it can make them really feel, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the word depressed, but, but really in a, in, in a way like they're not living a meaningful life. When they, when they really are, they just have to realize the contribution they're making, right? So there's, um, you know, I think everybody has something that they could be reaching out, striving for, and going after. And I think that's a very innate thing in all of us that we yearn for and are hungry for, right? And so we should always be seeking that out out and, and, and saying, what is that for me at this time? You know, and then when you find it, it's great because it's just, you know, any, anybody who's ever got an idea or build a business knows like you'll work around the clock. It's not even yeah. work. You're just, it's just figuring this out, figure out this problem. How do I overcome this? How do, I do this? Then you make that first sale and it's like so exhilarating and you move on, right? And so that's, you know, that, I think that's what I, that's why I say entrepreneurship is a very, um, you know, I, I think it's ingrained in our DNA in a way For because sure. it is mm-hmm. the pursuit of something, Right um whether it's a business is irrelevant it's the pursuit of something you know finding absolute, out how to get it
1: yeah absolutely love that in fact just about two hours ago or so i was talking to a really close friend of mine about this very thing about goal setting about striving for big things and she was mm-hmm. sharing with me this cool story he said something along the lines of like you know young kids you know five year olds, when they're at the beach they always want to build stuff right they want to build that sand castle right they're making the most beautiful thing ever and then right. once you're done, once this thing is done, right. And their parents are taking pictures and it's all cool. Right. What does the kid do? It destroys it. Cause it doesn't yeah. care so it much about like, again. it doesn't care about, you know, ruling over the sand. Cause it just wants to build it. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and it starts that. over
0: again and builds another one. Right. Exactly. You know? So, yeah. yeah so that, I mean, that is it. I mean, and there's, there's other things like that that are natural uh, things for us, like uh, sales, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you think, you're in sales. Every human being is in sales. Now people look at me when I say that, all weird and stuff, but think about it. Every time that you try to convince somebody of an idea you have, you are selling. Every time that you try to you know, convince that person, whoever it is, to go out with you for drinks or you know, whatever it is, you're selling yourself to them, right? So like, throughout the day, every day, we are selling. You know, and so that, and it's amazing how much and how often we, we don't embrace that side of us and push that away, you know, in our lives. And I, and I really think that selling is not a negative thing. I think that's how we convey ideas. I think that's how we, uh, change things and everything. And so I think, um, embrace the sales person in you don't call it sales if you don't want to, but you are selling something every day. At some point, so just be okay with that, and you know, uh, embrace it because it'll it'll really help you in your life.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so, for our listeners, Dave, by the way, uh, was actually super successful salesperson as a Fortune five hundred company before starting his business. So, maybe do you have any kind of quick tips for people? You know, they're starting to really think about this. They want to embrace that inner salesperson. Do you have yeah. any tips for people to really become better at sales?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look, if you want to succeed in sales, first and foremost you just have to be genuine in yourself. That's the first thing. If you are trying to sell someone like you are, like, you feel like you have to try to sell, it's going to come out and you're going to look fake and you're going to look like the the stereotypical salesman, right? Yeah. Or salesperson. So the, the key is just, just be you, just be genuine, just in, and enjoy it and have fun with it and be very curiosity is probably the biggest and one of the most, uh, important things to be a great salesperson a lot of people are trained in sales to like follow a script or follow a process where they'll ask a question to get an answer and check it off the box through their process their presentation or whatever it is but it's that curiosity to go second third fourth fifth sixth how many levels deep and really get to know who you are you know wanting to work with or could be working with and Connect with them on a much deeper level that helps you to sell. People buy you before they buy a product or a service, always. And if you can't really connect with someone and you can't really um, help them in, in real, tangible, valuable ways that they can see and that they are looking for, it's not about you, it's, it's about them and what really is needed in their lives to make their lives better. And if you can do that, and you can really spend the time to figure out what they need to make the most difference in their lives and then help show them how you can be a partner to deliver that with them and give them to that level or whatever they're looking for, then it makes it much easier to sell. It's not a sales presentation, then it's a collaboration. Let's figure out how to do this together, right? It changes the whole dynamic. And, you know, for me, one of the things that I've always kind of been is I'm, I don't, and I hate to say this this way because it isn't this way, I care about the sale, but I, I don't care at the same time. Look, it's either a fit or it's not for you. If it's not, no big deal. You know, I'm not desperate to make that sale. Never have been, right? I'm excited to collaborate and really find a two plus two equals six, yeah. right? And make, make that a reality with you right? But if it's not a fit, no big deal. There's a billion other opportunities out there. So you know what? That's, you know, if it is, it is. If it is meant to be, it will. If it's not, it's not. And that's a hard thing for a lot of salespeople to do, especially when you got a quota and you got maybe somebody breathing down your neck and everything else. But if if you can be yourself, be curious, not be desperate for the sale and be okay with not making the
1: sale, but maybe starting a great relationship, you're going to be, you're going to be fine love that so to me it almost sounds like you're really putting the focus on the other person asking more instead of how can i get better through this you're asking how can i make the other person better how can i serve the other person in the best yeah, way possible yeah and,
0: and you know uh i actually just had jay abram on the show if anybody's know, jay abram is Jay abram is probably the the godfather of marketing mm-hmm. for i mean he's probably the most renowned marketing expert in in the world and he talks wow. about a uh he, you know and he's he i mean Ten thousand companies, a thousand industries have benefited from. He's, I mean, he's, he's just, I mean, billionaire, all that type of stuff, right? And so, you know, Jay talks about a concept called preeminence, being preeminent with your clients and your customers, and that means that there is no other place to go but you because the value that you bring to them outshines everything on such a level that there is no other choice. And how do you achieve that? You achieve that by truly understanding. W- your client, their real needs, real value that they need in their lives for their business and truly, truly want to help them. And in fact, every, he'll say every engagement they have with you, they should come away better in their lives for it, right? Wow. And so if you kind of look at sales that way, it does, it changes the whole paradigm of, of what it is to to sell. The last point I'll, I'll give you on sales because a lot of salespeople don't do it is um ask for the business. It's amazing to me how many people will go through a sales presentation or that sort of thing and at the end not say, I really want to do business with you. How do we make that happen? Can we get started? Or just ask in some way, shape, or form. If you don't ask, you don't know. Right? Yeah. Every five-year-old knows that, right? Every five heck, <laughs> my daughter's seven, you know, almost eight now, right? So <laughs>
1: She Every knows, time, I'm sure <laughs> she will
0: ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and continue to ask for what she wants. Right, so you got to ask for what you want. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Okay, don't feel guilty for asking for it. Um, that's uh, that's another thing with with sales. So, ask for what you want, and uh, you'll be amazed how many times you get it.
1: Yeah, totally love that. Now you talked about paradigm shifts already happening on your podcast. What were some of the other you know ideas or stories or insights that really moved you and really changed your life from you know outside guests that came to your show
0: um because there's so many it's it's i I just did a whole uh uh, i did a a free ebook at the beginning of the year of of uh my inner misfit things for the year and you know one of the things that i you know people ask me all the time is like what what's your top what's the top favorite show it's amazing how many of them uh, they're all different they're all unique everybody's got something to bring to the table what i have noticed is patterns that have really bubbled up over time. You know, interviewing hundreds of these top performers all throughout the world, I've noticed some really unique patterns that uh, they all that they have in, on more consistent. So there's a few things that really stand out. Um, whether they realize it, um, you know, and, and talk about it, or they just do it, they play the long game. They look at things from a long-term viewpoint, Um, and they, they're not obsessed with the, in the now moment or anything like that. We live in this instant society. I often say this on the show, you know, we stopped the microwave with three seconds left. We can't Mm -hmm. even wait three seconds anymore. What's wrong with us? (laughs) I mean, really, you know, um, everything's gotta be now, 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 now. And that's just not the reality. You'll read about, you know, that, that one unicorn that became a billion dollar company overnight or whatever, but you don't read about the. Hundreds of thousands or even millions of companies that didn't right and but but found success over time And so the long game is the surest path that view is one of the surest paths to success is You know taking that long view one step in front of the other each day working towards that goal Working towards bettering your company or what you're doing and just getting a little bit better a little bit better Um, And that it's really one of the other things is that the little things make the biggest difference and you see this, there's a lot of great examples of this. And You hear this stuff like, hey, Olympic races are won by a hundredth of a second and all this stuff. That's literally a foot placement. It's a hand placement. And, that, and, and you'll be amazed if you've studied like Olympians. Like, you know, you, you, there's all the, uh, remember Michael Phelps and the hand touch by a finger and all that stuff. They drill these positions, these exact ways that they have their hands and their feet and how they do things and everything over and over and over again for that moment. That very specific moment when one hundredth of a second matters, right? And so in, in your business, in your life, the little things actually honestly can make the biggest difference. In fact, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. It's not usually one big thing. It's not usually one big inner misfit thing that these people have that sets them apart from being the most successful in their fields. It's a lot of little things that they do that add up to a big competitive advantage. So. Pay attention to little things, pay attention to the things that you do in your life, pay attention to what you tell yourself, pay attention to your routines, pay attention to your habits. In fact, uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard came on the show from Tom Ziegler, Zig Ziegler's son, where he said the surest path to success is to replace a bad habit with a good habit, (sighs) you know? So there's a lot of those things and uh, I can rattle off more, but
1: you know, if if you want, I can add some more. There's a few that really resonate. Yeah, you know, those are really some great insights. In fact, about last week ago, I think, I had Chris Cook on the show, uh, Olympian from Britain, and he was swimming with Michael Phelps in, in his last Olympics. And Chris Cook, he had the simple two laps roll, two laps in the pool, and that's it. And he just did that over and over and over again, right? So it's the same routine, like you're saying, and he was really getting deliberate about how do I place my hands? How do I put my feet, right? It was just these two mm. laps. And it's this really simplistic way of looking at it, I think. But it's this consistent practice right that if you do it over and over and over again millions of times in the pool you're going to become really freaking good at it over time mm-hmm. so i love what you're saying here about really paying attention to the smallest of details was in sports and, or in and, business
0: and that's the thing that we don't want to do yeah right that's the thing that is hardest for us to do especially in the society that we live in that where we're conditioned to be instant 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 right and that's the that's the i mean a, a great example is gush you know, many years ago, um, we talked about grass growing the way that it does, or it was at the time. And it was, I mean, back then we were growing 100 plus percent a year, right? Wow, yeah. And we were drinking from a fire hose. Mm-hmm. And we got to a point where we were growing so fast, we almost went out of business because we almost crushed ourselves because we couldn't necessarily fulfill what we were bringing on and doing. And wow. it caught us. And, and, and the thing about Uh, What we we didn't grasp, and this is just what we want, we did it this way because this is the way we wanted to do it, is we built the company out of cash flow. We never took on money. We we don't have any debt. We don't have any of that stuff, right? So we built this whole thing out of the cash flow that we were bringing in. And anybody who's ever done that knows that growth really sucks cash because to try to keep up with it, you're constantly investing, you're hiring, you're doing all these things. The thing that we didn't do well back then was documentation of our processes and how we do things. And that's where we fell on our face because we were hiring all these people but we had no training program we had no processes in place we had none of that stuff and people didn't know what the heck to do we'd basically throw them in a seat and say okay figure it out and talk to that person go we got to move on <laughs> to the next thing and and that's what almost sunk us and so we actually consciously you know we we had one day where my business partner and i woke up and we were literally two weeks from shutting the doors i'm like how can we be two weeks from shutting the doors we're growing like crazy how are we not gonna make, make payroll um and do that and, and uh you know, it was because we hadn't managed things that well and we had these all these people that we were bringing on, but we weren't getting things done fast enough because they didn't know what to do to be able to get to where we were getting more cash from the sales that we we're making, that recurring revenue component that was needed, right? Um, and so we had to take a step back for about 18 months and we slowed our growth. We actually slowed, now this is gonna sound kind of funny, but we slowed our growth to about 30%, which for us seemed mm-hmm. like, I mean, like, like snail's pace right? yeah, compared really? to where we were operating and we it was the toughest thing especially for me as a lion mm. last thing
1: i want to do is I'm oh, not yeah. you you I had to like tame yourself almost. we had
0: to literally document everything write out everything go through every process and all that stuff and get that whole basis of everything in place but it was the greatest thing we've ever done right it was it was what allowed the business to, to come out of that and be able to scale almost indefinite at this point, at this point, you know, we continue to better those processes and all that stuff, but, you know, doing that act and spending all the time of doing that, you know, getting our, our uh, a better way of looking at our finances, getting a, you know, a CFO to really look at how we do things and build a better project things for us. So we can make better decisions. All that stuff had to happen. And uh, I'm glad we did it. And I'm glad we went through that because you know, we wouldn't be who we are or where we are today without that. So it, it does, it, it, it Please pay attention to the little things, and the sooner rather than later, document things in your mm-hmm. business. Even if it's just you as a one-man show, just start documenting everything you're doing. Do a video of it, whatever it is. Just start to get some type of uh, way of, of having that uh, for those that come after you to be able to learn from and be able to put into action. It'll make a world of difference for you.
1: You know, it's such a great insight and it already gives me a lot of ideas for what I could start documenting in my own, my own place here. Um, but I love this willingness to really step back, which must have been painful and difficult for you since you always want to go forward, right? But step back yep. for a moment, consciously slow it down, so that later on you're able to move much faster.
0: Well, and that goes back to the long game, right? Yeah. I didn't think about it at the time, but we were really doing... We were really doing the long game and saying, okay, we take a step back now, but we're going to be light years ahead in the future. And you have that delayed gratification of doing that, right? So again, it's amazing how these, these things really weave throughout uh, when you look at this uh, across the board with successful companies and people and stuff.
1: For sure. And yeah. now I want to dive a little bit deeper into your own personal habits that have led to your success. Are there any certain morning routines or daily habits that really help you show up as your best self every day?
0: Uh, yeah, there's a lot of those. Um, so it, it actually, it's kind of another thing that, that really doing all of this kind of crystallized for me over time is, uh, I've got this formula that I call DCP and it stands for discipline, consistency, and persistence. And this is another theme that I I've seen with these top performers. and, and, People hear that and they're like, "Duh, you know, discipline, consistency, and and persistence." But but what does that really mean? So, you know, discipline is doing the things that you know you need to do, even when you don't want to do them. That's what discipline truly is. And consistency is doing that day in and day out without fail. Look, you can be disciplined for one day. That's not going to make a difference for you. You got to do it day in, day out, without fail, every single day, right? Um, And so, even if you do that, though you're going to hit major brick walls. You're going to hit plateaus. You're going to hit insurmountable um, things in your way that, you know, if you're not willing to persist through and, you know, keep looking at how you get through and, you know, innovating and finding ways to do it, you're just going to stay stagnant. That's where you're going to end up. You see it a lot with companies, right? You see a lot of companies grow, 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 grow. And then they hit that plateau point and they just stay there. Right. And they they never get off of it because they're facing an insurmountable wall that either they are, they're not trying to persist through they're not willing to right you see this with a lot of companies that have gotten passed up in the digital age and stuff that just blockbuster is a great example blockbuster wasn't willing to innovate mm-hmm. they got to the height where blockbuster was there's was one on every corner they were like starbucks's <laughs> and uh, you know you could go get your videos netflix came along started this thing and they're like ah that's never going to happen in fact netflix tried to sell themselves for 50 million to blockbuster
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that one. (laughs) And
0: Blockbuster laughed him out of the room. And now look, there's probably like one Blockbuster in some small town somewhere in the United States, right? So, you know, they weren't willing to really see and persist through where the tide was turning to. And it sunk them, right? Probably one of the best epic business fails of all time, right? So you have to be willing to do that. And so that's a big thing. So for me, personal habits every day, get up about the same time between 530 and 6 a.m. Uh, I have a gratitude journal that I do. Um, it's a pretty simple process. I call it uh, my, uh, you know, my thrive journal for the day. So what I do is I write down the three uh, things I'm grateful for for the day, whatever they are, it can be as simple as watching the sunrise that day, it could be much more deeper, right? And then uh, three the three most important things that I'm going to accomplish that day. And then afterwards, I get on my knees and I say a little prayer most days. Um, and uh, then I get, get to it. Um, and I, I have uh, opportunity uh, uh, times for myself where I'm uh, best and most productive. I call them really prop productivity zones. So from about six to eight, eight thirty in the morning, I'm I'm hyper productive, right? You know, I get going. I get a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, get a good uh, morning meal. I I make myself a morning meal every day, and I crank. So that's when I get a, you know some of my a lot of times I get my top three things done at that time because I'm fresh. And everything else but after about two two and a half hours that's when i kind of hit the law of diminishing returns and i got to take a break so that's my workout time and i'm a triathloner so i some days will work out for two three hours at a time during, during the week and so i plan that out and so i've got my workout time then i you know 11 noon i'm finishing up i you know kind of come back i get a quick lunch and then i've got another productivity zone from about one to three in the afternoon. And that's when I do my, like my podcasts and stuff and, and do that with, with people, um, and, and other types of things, if I don't have that going on, then again, kind of a break. Um, and, uh, typically my daughter gets home from school about four o'clock each day. So I'll spend a little time with her and then I'll, uh, I'll have that kind of five to 6 PM hour where I've got, I'm just back in the zone again. And then typically I'm trying to stop around 6 PM every day. And then it's family time from there. My whole day uh, my calendar and everything is scheduled. So, like everybody who has access to it, I've blocked out all the times. So, there's only certain times that people can meet or do anything with me. And I've, training, I've trained them when I'm available, not allowed them to basically just steal my time. Yeah, right? I love that. So, and so that's how I I've kind of manage my time and all of that. And it's, you know, there's a lot more around that, but those are, you know, some of the habits that, that I do every day.
1: Yeah, you know, I think this, this process of deliberately scheduling the things that are most important to us, our really highest priorities, is so important. So whether it's the workout time, whether it's really the time when you're able to focus the most is so powerful. Because otherwise, I feel mm-hmm. like it, it tends to get thrown out of the window when these outside emergencies of other people come in, right? We're like, well, and I, oh, and I let get me give out my, my workout today.
0: Yeah, I get some of my best ideas and, uh, figure out the solutions to, you know, some of my biggest challenges when I'm, uh, in that workout time. So I'm, I'm still going during that time, you know, it's an outlet for me, but that's when, you know, I get to really, like, like today, today was a a long day for me. I, you know, had an hour on the bike, a 40 minute run, and then, uh, uh, one and a half miles in the pool. Wow. Nice. (laughs) So when you're swimming, when you're swimming for 45 minutes, you know, you don't have headphones on, you can't do anything, you get, You can just think, right? And so I actually, there's, there's a few uh, big challenges, big uh, new clients that we're trying to work through right now. And I came up with two or three of the solutions that I want to, you know, employ with my teams for that while I'm swimming today, right? And, you know, now giving that to them and they've, they, you know, they're implementing them and everything else, right? So some of my best ideas come when I'm not being bombarded by a bunch of stuff and it just... You know, your brain has that time to relax a little bit and just go to work on these things. And I think that's important. You need that outlet every day.
1: Yeah, totally. For me, it's running. So I skipped the biking. I skipped the swimming. I'm <laughs> not a fan of those, but I love running. I find the same way. Like it's a, such an outlet for creativity and, and just innovation. So really powerful.
0: Well, that's, that's the other thing too. The last kind of piece to this is that you have to have um, really, you, you really have to have a good focus on your mental and physical health. Look, yes. if you're going to succeed in the entrepreneur world, it's the toughest game in the world. It's the most fun game in the world, but it's the most challenging game in the world. There are some amazing peaks, but you spend a lot more time in the valleys. I actually just wrote a blog post about this. And so you, in order to power through those valleys, one of the things you have to be is in good shape physically and mentally, right? Because it'll just wear you down. And so that's a really important, at least for me that I found is a really important piece of it is, you know being in, 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 having both those sides really in the best shape they can be so they can be the best that they can be.
1: Totally. Thanks for pointing out. Yeah. Now, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? Uh,
0: Certainly. So uh, Misfit Entrepreneur is a great place to connect. I'm on all social media, either as Dave Lucas or as the Misfit Entrepreneur. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can connect with me there. Um, A lot of these lessons that I've talked about today, I actually uh, haven't, I've got a couple free eBooks that you can get right from the Misfit site. So if you go to misfitentrepreneur.com forward slash lessons, that will give you access to them. So that's a great place to go
1: um, get some of this stuff and learn more about it and just learn more about what we're doing. Fantastic. Now, a final question: What is your quest for greatness? So, what's a big vision in your life that you want to create?
0: You know, this this has changed over the years, right? When you're when you're young and single, it's a lot different than when you you know have a, a wonderful wife and daughter that you get to wake up to every day and stuff. And so, you know, my quest for greatness is to be able to leave behind the uh, the best legacy for. My little one to carry into the future. I, this, is a, I, this is a question I ask everybody on my show, and and it's at the end of the episode, and it's it's really kind of the same thing. It's it's what um, we call it the misfit three, but it's the three biggest pieces of wisdom that you want to leave behind. You're if you were to leave the earth tomorrow, what would be the the three most important pieces of wisdom you would leave behind to the generations that come after you to help them live their best life? Period. And for me, you know, it's it's that quest to be able to really Not just three, but leave behind everything that I have found to be the best that you can be. We're not ever going to be perfect, right? And so you just have to keep working on that. And so as I keep working on it and getting new breakthroughs in who I am and and what I learn and the wisdom that I gain, I want to continue to share that and leave that behind for not not just Hannah, but for everybody that's willing to listen and, and find it for themselves. Because it's it's amazing how we know everything and nothing at the same time, you know. And so that quest for wisdom, um, not just knowledge, I think knowledge without action is really nothing. Wisdom is truly taking knowledge and putting it to action. So the quest for true wisdom that is put into action that makes a difference, I think, is how you get to greatness. And that's what I continue to seek after.